Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alone in the studio today. Our guest this week is Juliette Funt. Now, she is a lot of things, but she is a productivity expert, and she's the founder of White Space at Work. I wanted to talk to her for you guys because... A lot of us are working from home now, and the concept of work is changing for us, but she's going to give us some tips for how to remain productive, even while we're working at home, as the economy is opening back up, all the different places that we're going to be going, how to maintain the kind of schedule and normalcy that makes you as productive as possible. So uh, I'm really looking forward to bringing this to you. That's coming up here in a minute. Before I get to that, though, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. First and foremost, John's new book, Relentless, available signed and numbered from the new Tesh.com store. Also, our latest public television special. Uh, different public television stations are not pledging right now because of the pandemic and the riots. So this may be the best chance you have to see our newest public television special. It is, it is pretty phenomenal. It goes, it's a nice companion with the book, uh, with, with the book Relentless. So, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, lots of stuff going on in our world. You can find us uh, more, than, uh, more often than not at facebook.com slash John Tesh. We're going live all the time, all kinds of fun stuff. We do the quarantine workout. You can check that out there. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to tell you, before we even get to the Juliet Funt interview, I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't fall asleep in front of the television. Uh, I feel a little bit attacked by this. But before we do that, here is John Tesh with a message from our sponsor, Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans. Home today is so much more than it was yesterday, but at Rocket Mortgage, home is still all about you. During these challenging times, the top priority at Rocket Mortgage is the health and safety of the communities they serve. And one thing that will never change is their team's commitment to giving you the best mortgage experience possible. That's why if you need mortgage support, their team of experts is there to answer questions and offer solutions. They understand that hardships happen, and they are here to help. Whether that means working with you to save money on your mortgage or finding a new way to navigate payments. If you have questions, the team at Rocket Mortgage has answers. They know how important your home is to you because you're important to them. If you need mortgage assistance, the home loan experts at Rocket Mortgage are available to help 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is with you. Visit rocketmortgage.com tesh to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Once again, I want to thank Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans for making today possible. Uh, real, real quick, before we get to the interview, here's what I promised you. Do not fall asleep in front of the TV because new research says that may be the reason you're gaining weight. I feel very attacked right now. The study was led by the National Institutes of Health, and it looked at the connection between artificial light at night and weight gain over time. Well, nighttime TV lovers, me, the news is not great. The people who fell asleep with the TV on were more likely to have gained an average of 11 pounds over the course of the study and 22% more likely to have become overweight. That's because from an evolutionary perspective, obviously, we're supposed to be sleeping in a dark place at night. They didn't have televisions in the caveman days. And the light from a TV throws off our hormones in a way that contributes to weight gain. That's because exposure to light from the TV leads to restless sleep, limits the amount of time in deep sleep. And that increases hunger hormones, slows metabolism, and reduces our physical activity. So bottom line, turn off the TV and get some sleep. Or, you know, put the TV on a sleep timer. Or just live your life. I don't even know. All right, folks. Here we go. Uh, I, I mean, I fall asleep in front of the TV every night. So I, I feel like this is me. This is the pod calling the kettle black. I have, no, I have no leg to stand on here. I am as guilty of this as anybody. Here we go. 
with Juliet Funt, who is going to tell us all about how to become, uh, how to remain productive and how to find normalcy uh, throughout these times. And uh, I'm really excited to bring this to you. Juliet Funt, founder and CEO of Whitespace at Work, an efficiency and uh, and productivity firm. Uh, thank you so yeah. much for spending uh, spending this time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's going to be a fun one, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, nothing, nothing more fun than talking efficiency. But I feel like um, the way the world is right now, so many people, and I happen to be lucky enough to work from home, uh, you have your kids with you, and you're working from the road right now. But I found that, like, uh, I, I know a lot of people are discovering certain things about that they're missing in working from home. Certain things about productivity and and things that you get from the workplace, um, and just sort of discovering how how much time we were wasting before. Because I can be just as productive even if I spend half the day helping my kid log into Zoom classes. So right. I'm, it's I'm amazing. I'm finding new ways myself of being productive, but I, I got to imagine you're you're seeing a lot of people reach out to you right now because of uh, because of all these people working from home. Yeah, there's so many different layers of it. So we do track. We work with a lot of different types of individuals and companies, from big like Anthem Cisco to nonprofits to little tiny. And so there are trends that are uniform across all of those entities. Maybe. Uh, we don't work as much with the real solopreneur, but even down to small companies, similarities are occurring in how people have adapted over the last eight weeks. And it's been really interesting to track. First, there was this huge onslaught of technology tips, and it was all about platforms. And then there was a giant wave of generic advice and hundreds of articles and HR departments pushing um, take breaks and wear real pants and um, you know set up your chair ergonomically and, and all of, that's all good stuff but it still doesn't really speak to workflow. And then what happened, I think personally around the six to seven week mark was this fascinating kind of hunkering down of people saying, I got this and they because they had cobbled together a way of working that was functional. But that was sort of a tragic turn because functional and optimized are incredibly different, but everybody became very complacent with, I've got this, and I, mm -hmm. I, I've figured out how to work from home. So the appetite for learning really dried up then and was mostly burnt out on a lot of generic advice that didn't help. So interestingly, I think a lot of people are working from home with a real absence of framework or direction. They just sort of fall out of bed into the coffee, onto the laptop, work all day, breaks for the kids, dinner, more laptop, fall into bed, wake up coffee, laptop. And there's just this very um, okay, I feel I feel attacked the way that you're describing <laughs> that. Did I have a small camera in your house? <laughs> this, the last is, couple of weeks? this is inappropriate. I, I, I'm, I'm not okay with this. All right. So, so yeah, I mean, I think you just described a lot of us and myself included, but, but what are we, what are we supposed to do? Cause you just named like both yeah. the best and the worst part about this, which is, you can roll out of bed and you have your laptop right there. For those of us, again, that are able to work from home, it, 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 it's sort of uh, it's a dance, right? Yeah, it's a dance, but there's just the tiniest bit of forethought or awareness, I think, really can change the exhaustion of the dance. And the reason I think it's so important is that phase one post-COVID was incredibly difficult but it had a lot of adrenaline supporting how hard it was. And now those tanks are empty and we're going into phase two. And nobody really knows how long, didn't, didn't LA just push to end of July for shelter I, in place? Yeah, I really think, I think that's how long we're gonna be at, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so this next piece of it is gonna be sloggy and a little lonely, but it also doesn't have all that, um, there is drama that is associated with crisis that, that even though you're in a lot of pain and sadness is all around you, it is, it, 
pumps you up the drama and the adrenaline of it, we're not going to have that Mm. um, fortifying us in the next phase. And so I have even more concern for workers now. You know, Bloomberg is telling us that 45% of people are already burnt out and that the average workday has gone three hours longer than it was before COVID. So whether you have your own business or you work for a company or, um, you know, whatever your workflow might be right now, I have, I've, I'm concerned about the next period. Yeah, I mean, I found that I, that for me, you know, not having the, <laughs> I need to leave my office and beat the traffic, I need to head home and, and be, you know, and that, that separation line that commuting as much as I hated commuting, it did yes. give me a lot of time to myself and also gave me the, the, uh, the warm up and the decompression time to at, at the beginning and end of the day. So I find that now I, I have no boundary. If it's, you know, I stop working right. and have dinner with my family and then I stop working uh, or then I stop having dinner and I go back to working and I work until I fall yeah. asleep and then I wake up yeah. and do the same thing the next day. Yeah. And so the question is, is that sustainable? No. For, <laughs> I, that's the answer. I, I know it's not. I just can't help myself. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are ways to do that a little bit better. So maybe we should get into some tactics that will support people um, and make them feel like there's a, a little bit of a formulaic way that they can create some structure. Would that be helpful? Yes, absolutely. So what should I, I mean, what should I be doing? Like how, how what okay. are, because we, we, you sort of dismissed earlier on that, you know, putting on real pants and treating your, uh, <laughs> treating your workspace as, as going to the office is, is, is not enough. Did you see by any chance that Walmart said that pants are down and tops are up? And yes. Just- <laughs> oh, I've seen all that stuff. And, and uh, just not nobody's even getting the pants anymore. Nobody's buying bras yeah. either. Like there's there's all these like we, it, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. Yeah. Because well, that depends on your screenshot, right? Yeah. Your Zoom framing is right. <laughs> um, oh my god, that's so great. Yeah, I'm I'm all I'm a fan for the wear real pants stuff, but when. When wear real pants, take breaks, and don't forget to exercise is substituted for instruction on how to work. That's that's when that uh, becomes a target for me of of you know a little bit of teasing because I don't think it's enough. It's not that it's not good. It's just masquerading as sufficient, and right. it's not nearly as not nearly sufficient. Right. So there are a lot of different pieces of this. So maybe I'll take little chunks, and then we can play in between them because it's um, you know it could be a long conversation. So. I think that a starting point is to start with emotion, even though emotion is not technically part of efficiency, but it actually is because when you sublimate emotion, it runs like a low grade computer program that's behind everything that you do. And I have to say that when we've been working with teams over this period, I am amazed at how many high achieving people have not one single time since the dawn of COVID allowed themselves to feel any of this. Mm. Um, and it's it's not where you'd think we'd start in terms of uh, let's talk about efficient workflow, but if if you have not at any point gone to a quiet place and just taken a deep breath and gone, wow, this is a lot, and mm-hmm. and let that be real for you, then resources are being stolen from you every single day by the valiant attempts to shove that emotion back down. And so we talk, I think it's really important to talk about emotion and also stress and that those are two different things. So with emotion, our instruction and our deep belief is that if you ever have emotion coming, that you have to go somewhere else and make space for it, that we never, ever block emotion. But stress, obsession, rumination, worry, future tripping, that can actually be compartmentalized. So what I do and what we teach 
is called making an appointment with stress. I actually do this every day of my life when something difficult is going on for me. I'll make a time in my head, usually for me it's first thing in the morning, where there is a 10-minute block to worry, obsess, and ruminate on the thing in my life. So let's say it's a someone is ill or there's a financial insecurity or a global pandemic or the markets, that if you take that 10 minutes, you go, okay, uh, catastrophizing brain, have at it, 10 minutes, have the thoughts that frighten you. And then that allows you all the other times in the day when that returns to say, oh, you're actually already scheduled for eight o'clock tomorrow morning and I'll see you there. And over a period of time of using this technique, you can learn to quiet those distracting threads. And, and they're, they're really relevant, human, necessary distractions because we are afraid and we are uncertain and the ambiguity is everywhere, but we have to kind of put it in a little bit of a compartment. And so that technique is really, really something that I think of as core right now. Can it, and do you have to, I mean, it sounds like you have to train yourself because I don't think I could start doing that right out of the gate. I, my, my concern is with my personality that if I gave myself any time where I allowed the stress to take over, that it would take over and that I would not yeah. necessarily be able to get out of it. Yeah. yeah. So just it's, it can be a minute or two minutes. Just allow yourself to touch that. Like, wow, this is really a lot. And to maybe allow language if you're on a walk and you can say out loud the things that you're afraid of, or if it's just when you open your eyes in bed and you get, give yourself a few minutes to acknowledge. <clears throat> I do think that it's a method of training, but it's easier over time to catch yourself in the middle of the day. You're getting lost on a train of thought. It's almost like active meditation. You go up, oh, up, oh, no, we're going to, we're going to wait for tomorrow morning and tomorrow morning we're going to worry about, uh, you know, whether the fall election and the stock market will collide in a in a flaming uh, fireball. We're going to just wait and, and, mm. and think about that later. And you can train yourself. I think one of the things that makes it really much easier is if you also make an appointment with the news. So if you are taking your morning's settling time to address fears or emotions, but also to take your sip from the news and then have the same principle of abstention for the rest of the day from touching and touching and touching because the news is often the trigger for the worry and the rumination and when you're in your flow with family and work and creativity and projects and interviews likely you're not getting that door reopened as much but i'll promise you if you take a little sip of twitter you'll be right back there so you probably want to pair those tools mm. of compartmentalizing them both yeah i mean i find like i, I find that i'm consuming the news all the time. Uh, yeah. and it's, and it, and it definitely sets me off into, into a mood. Yep. Yep. So think about that. So now we have a little bit of solidity. Perhaps we have a little bit more equanimity entering the day. And what we teach in work from home is that there should be setup and there should be a rhythm and there should be closure. Now there's probably far too much content to talk about for me to just talk, but in the briefest way, setup is creating some architecture to your day. Rhythm is the manner in which you ride through the cadence of work and energy and children and email. And then closure is learning some tools to actually figure out how one ends the business day. Um, and I'm wondering, should I just kind of start going through those phases or do you want to just take one and unpack it a little deeper? Um, I want to make sure we're having conversation and not yeah, just, um, no, it's fine. So, but so look, I mean, look, I think, um, I, I think the idea that we, um, 
mean, I, I, I think I kind of understand the, the, the singular words of everything you're saying, but we do need to unpack each and every one of those things about what, what that looks like. So what does, Good. what does, what does rhythm mean? What does setup actually mean on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So let's, and let's, um, you stop me a lot and chime in and we'll kind of make it fluid in between the pieces. So I, I like to think about mountain climbers. We're actually, one of the things that we're doing in New Zealand is our boys are very into rock climbing. And, um, one of the things that's really interesting, if you watch these climbers is they will, if you watch a novice go up to a rock face, what they do is they immediately put their hands on the rock and they just go, they're on it the second that they're approaching it. But the really, really good climbers stop as if there's a force field around the rock and they hold their hands back up and they look up and they see the route first and they look for the handholds and where will it be hard and do I see anything slippery and what am I going to be like? Do I imagine myself being slow paced or what they call quiet feet where they're tapping their feet very gently on the rock? And that element of seeing the route can be consolidated for the average person who has work to do in a microsecond of just stopping right before the beginning of the day and just imagining what's coming. Yeah. yeah. What, what do I want to do in this day? And not only the tasks of what do I see myself accomplishing, but in that movie in my head of the workday that I'm about to work, what's my character like? Are they mm. calm or present or confident or, or um, you know, what do I see in terms of not only the what I'm getting done, but the manner in which I'm getting done? And I'm talking about a little flash, 10 seconds of closing your eyes at your desk and just getting yourself a visual. And that seeing the route is um, really the beginning of the set. It's just that tiny second where your fingers are going to the laptop and you stop them and you just relax your body for two seconds and go, okay, one more day of this. What is this going to be like? I love that. And that alone can be very powerful. I love that rock climbing metaphor, right? Like you really have to look at the path. And 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 by the way, just like rock climbing, there will be there will be rocks that you thought were going to hold you. There will be appointments that you thought were going to happen that then fall through. That that will slip yeah. off that you did not expect. And but if you have your plan in your head, you sort of know where you know where you're deviating, and you you have a better idea. And it, that way, you're you're not being completely derailed. Yeah, one of the most interesting people I ever interviewed was a, a mole scientist, a scientist who studied moles. And he said that moles have an incredible work ethic and they begin, they wake up every morning and they just begin tunneling in no particular direction with no particular plan. And they just go, 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 go as fast as they can until they get too tired. And I thought that's the best analogy for the way people work that I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. It's just, there's no, there's no planning. And so that little moment of stopping and seeing the route is the beginning. Now, once you're going to sit down, there is one critical tool that if I could give it to every single person, I would make sure that they had it. It's the simplest thing in the universe is called a paper anchor. And all it is, is a pad that sits next to your computer on which you're going to write the three or four or five most critical things that you're going to get done in that day. And some people think they don't need a paper anchor because they have uh, technology-based checklists that drive them forward in their efficiency. But those are incredibly intellectually noisy and they're very complicated where the paper anchor is like the sweetest boss you ever had. It just keeps directing you really gently forward to do the next thing on the list. And I never work anywhere without that, whether it's a post-it note or a pad or a piece of paper, or I have to grab a napkin because I'm in a restaurant. I would never, ever work without that gentle list there reminding me what's really important. This is the protection of the modern workday where you get to the end and you go, 
I have no idea what I did today. I'm absolutely right. fried and absolutely exhausted. And it was just a cacophony of email and chats and BS. And so um, that's where I think that this tool is really a big part of setup. So you have your paper anchor. And then there's only one other thing that re we really think is critical in setup, and that is what we call a visual groove. So if you imagine an arc around your laptop, like a little semicircle of your desk space, what I would love to advocate is that that always looks the same no matter where you work. And I actually started doing this many years ago when I was dating my husband in his little apartment in Los Angeles. He had no desk, so I had a laundry basket, and I would put my laptop in my papers, and I would move from the futon to the bar stool to... But I always would set up my little visual groove the same way. So paper anchor on the right, certain kind of pens. For me, I always keep on the left something either inspirational or something from my children. And it is the same thing and I move it. So when many of us now are sharing workspace with roommates or spouses or we don't mm. have a dedicated area, you cue your brain that it's time to work by seeing the same visual arrangement over and over and over. Don't take too many things because you're going to be mobile with them. But this is really a great one for people who are um, sharing space. And it may be really appropriate, too, as we begin to go back to the office. Some of us will work half day home and half mm -hmm. day in the office. And well, we, we're yeah, going to be in the, in the said, laundry basket for Facebook a while. Facebook just said half their employees are going to be working from home after this. Yeah. About yeah. 50% of their employees I've, are I've going to continue Twitter, to work home. Yeah. Twitter's also saying anyone who wants to for the rest of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, honestly, I mean... You know, there's so much about modern life that is bad about commuting that I think if we can figure out the stuff that you're talking about, um, cutting commuting out could be a really, really good thing for a lot of people. I mean, for the world at large, it's a fantastic thing. You'll have, you'll, you'll save money because you'll be eating at home more and you'll, you won't be commuting and you won't be all those greenhouse gases. I mean, it's just a huge, it's a huge net benefit to it uh, in those terms. If we can figure out to, how to how to solve this productivity issue, then um, and the and the mental health issue that we've been talking about today, then I think uh, this could be a, a a great moment for society for certain jobs. Yeah, the mental health issue I think can't be underspoken about. That commute, as you alluded to, is a really mm -hmm. beautiful transition, especially if people use it correctly. If they're really detaching during that commute and letting their minds wander and be free and maybe listening to good music as opposed to depressing ra radio and pot, you know, it depends on where, where you're going with it. But I think the commute is something that is that we need to grieve that, um, freedom and transition. Maybe we can replicate it with different rituals, um, as we become more of a blended society with so many people working from home. Right. I mean, that, yeah, it's a great point. Like, how do we, do we need to have that if, 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 if you have enough space on your property to create sort of a separate office where you go to to work and then and that's work yeah. time and everything else. Or if you don't have that, if you're living in an apartment or what have you, just like you said, having that little uh, zone that, that is always the same, that is always a part of your workspace, right? That always, whether it's a, a picture of your family or a certain mouse and a mouse pad that you set up, like mm -hmm. well, that, just having that, having that consistency and also, you know, uh, having a dividing line when you enter that that sphere that is your work sphere um yeah and and being able to do that is key yeah and it actually makes me want to jump ahead maybe we'll do setup and closure and go back to rhythm because one of the most important things about closure is putting those things away somewhere where you can't see them any longer so if you 
Many themes of uh, effectiveness center around some aspect of compartmentalization, like I already talked about. Uh, an email checking schedule compartmentalizes your technology. The paper anchor compartmentalizes your tasks. You want to actually, at the end of your day, look for a physical compartment, a dresser, a drawer, a place where that stuff goes, and then it, it gets closed. So you're not being re-stimulated over and over by that feeling of work is on. And right. so that is a really, really big part of closure. So I have a, uh, I have a paper planner. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, haven't, I haven't put it as succinctly as you do, but I, I'm no Luddite. Like I have task managers on my computer. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. Am, uh, I, uh, my schedule is, uh, is on my computer. It's, it's nice to have it like that because then it just shows up on the day. It's, it's great. But I have a paper planner, and I have had mm-hmm. I've had a couple people that make paper planners on the show, and I've talked about it before. Um, I have I use the Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt. It is it's mm, great for yeah. setting goals. Big fan of it, but it has all the things you do. You're talking about it has a, a section every day where I physically write my top three things that I need to get done for the day, and then I have a yep. longer list I can write in there below it, a, a task manager that I can do below. But it's all it's all on paper, and then I write in. Usually the night before, I'll write in what my my appointments are for the next day, so that way I, leave, I have my appointments when I open it up. But then, at the end of the day, I close this book. I literally mm-hmm. close the book on my day. Mm-hmm. And that that paper pen to paper experience, it may be that there's only a subset of the population that's ever really going to get this, but there is a solidity and a humanness and a beauty in pen to paper. And it just calms things down compared to everything that's going on inside the computer. And the more the world is frenetic, the more you need that sense of calm. Well, we've talked to neurologists before about how writing, you know, how taking notes with with typing is not the same as taking notes by physically Mm -hmm. writing it down. You engage more of your brain. And generally speaking, the more of your brain you engage in a task, the more likely you are to remember that and have more points of reference mentally for remembering something like that. So absolutely. So I I do love the idea, the the, the paper anchor and, and, and then just also being able to put that away. I love the Levenger pads. Levenger makes a gorgeous, thick paper pad with a. You just touch yours. <laughs> it was like an I ASMR did. thing. How did you know that? I, 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 had to rub it a, I had to rub it a little bit. Can you hear it? Yeah. I could. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. It's, I had to put it on my cheek for a second. It's so great. It's so great. And that that's part of the love of, you know, if you're going to be self-nurturing during a difficult time, if there are a couple little things that make you feel nurtured that are work-related go on Amazon and get those favorite pens. Go and just buy a couple of those pads that are the better pads, not the crappy. I borrowed my kid's scholastic notebook mm-hmm. because they were finished with it, but just have a little nurturing high qualityness around you um, so that those tools feel beautiful and supportive. For me, I love a good fountain pen. I know, I, again, mm-hmm. we, we can talk stationary all day, apparently. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, we actually could for a little uh, but while. I, but I like a good fountain pen People for a couple... People are going to start dropping off the podcast <laughs> right now. But I'll tell you why. Audience, I'll tell you so. why. It's really important. And, I, and I've, I have really expensive pens. Like, I have a couple, and I do mm. not like them as much as my really cheap one, or relatively yeah, cheap. I, um, I have this, it's a Pilot Metropolitan, which is one of the cheapest fountain pens you can get. And it writes so well. But what I like about it is oh, you, have, it you have to write at a specific pace. If you write too fast, the <laughs> ink thins out. And if you write too slowly, it bleeds a little bit because wow. it's a fountain pen. So it forces me, and, and you have to make sure that you're, that the um, pen, with a fountain pen, you have to make sure you're writing at a pace because it, it lubricates the, the tip in, in, with the ink in, in just the proper way when you're going at the right pace. So it forces me to like reorganize my brain 
and move my thoughts and make be more deliberate in how I write it down. And it, mm. it's a it's a huge mental changer for me. Yeah, and it, everything that we can touch that forces us to slow down is a benefit to our thoughtfulness and contribution. Any place, even when you're rebooting, if you could say thank you, computer, for being a pain in the you know, so I have to reboot you. So you just take what we would call a moment of white space, just that forced interval to calm it down. Cause it's, it's, it was frenetic before COVID you layer on a bunch of terror and emotion and ambiguity, and then everybody's just supposed to keep going forward. So mm -hmm. we need all the forced slow that we can get right now. Right. Right. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. So if we, okay, so we have this paper that allows us to create, like we we're talking about this, this dedicated space in that and, and helps us find our rhythm. Um, right. And also helps us like, I feel like all of these things are starting to paint a picture of um, not just putting but but uh, more more trappings on the idea of putting on pants, putting on real pants in the morning, putting on real clothes and sitting at your desk and and actually working, right? Like, and, and, yeah, and it's an element various. of purposefulness, an element of you don't want to get um, intimidated feeling that there's too many tools. You close your eyes, you see the route, set up your paper anchor, check the visual groove and you're go. It's three minutes, two minutes, but it is a purposefulness that begins you with intention as opposed to just being a victim of stepping onto, as we said, you know, the white water and keep going. Right. So I think that that's really important and then the rhythm of the day begins. So now we're in rhythm. We're if we're in corporations, we have Zoom calls, we have phone calls, we have people we're meeting, it, and and that rhythm threatens to run us instead of us running it. And so that part that I was teasing about take breaks actually then now becomes really really important. But not. Uh, all of take breaks is very clear to people because there's a lot of different advisors talking about that in a lot of different ways. Pomodoro technique says you should take a break every 21 minutes. Energy project says every 90 minutes, follow the circadian rhythm of your body. But I have Zoom calls and I have meetings and I, it doesn't sync up with 21 minutes or 90 minutes. And so how does all of that work? So at Whitespace at work, we prefer to talk about more improvisational uh, ways of taking breaks. And the tool that we use is called the wedge. The wedge is just a little wedge of open time, the open time that we would call white space, put in between moments of your day. So it's a little sip of open time and you can insert it improvisationally anywhere you need it as long as you are in fact utilizing it. So sometimes the cue for the wedge comes from intellect I look at my calendar and I just know that there are too many calls, even though I'm feeling pretty good. They're just too many in a row. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, oh, I need a wedge of time. I need a minute. I need 30 seconds. I need five minutes to step away. Then sometimes the wedge is stimulated by a visceral awareness that your body needs it. So this is when energy is flagging or you start feeling kind of a little fried or you notice that you're reaching for compensatory substitutions for rest, like caffeine or chocolate or sugar or uh, if anybody still smokes and that feeling of I need something, I need something, I need something. Rest is the last thing that you will probably think of, but right. it's probably the first thing that you need. So just that little sip of I need a little white space and you step away. Um, that's what we would suggest. And it's a really, really important part of rhythm to have permission to do that. Yeah. Yeah, to give your to give yourself a, 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 even. I mean, I know this is like the most type A concept ever, but to pencil in a space where you rest is uh, yeah. If if that's what it takes, that's what it takes, right? For us to just sit down and and actually give us 
give ourselves that time, um, especially if you're if you're trying to if you're I don't want to say a high achiever, but if you're if you're the kind of person that will will work until you until you collapse, and that's a lot of people. That's that's uh, that's that's the way we approach a lot of our tasks. Is that that's the, the moral high ground. And I'm using the term white space. I should probably take a second just to define it. We call white space a strategic pause taken between activities. So if it's 10 seconds, two seconds, a minute, any strategic pause, not a lazy pause, a nappy pause, a drooly pause, a strategic pause that says I'm doing this to maintain my focus and efficiency, then white space as a concept can be expanded where you take white space to be creative or introspective or to think about a meeting before or after you attend it. But the wedge is the smallest increment. It's just a use of a little sip of time. And the name white space came from just the white spaces on one's calendar. So it's a perfect way to just kind of conceptualize it. If you're looking at the calendar and there is no white, Mm -hmm. then you know you need to insert some. Right. Right. Um, the, the, yes. Yes. But again, you know, again, very type A for for people to have to say like, okay, this is a add this to your to do list. This idea that you um, that you have to take the time. So let's talk about actually. So uh, just to review real fast. So we, we, so far, what we've talked about are, are a few anchoring behaviors and 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 um, having a, a set up time for your day where you take a second and you look, you imagine your day. I mean, every high performer in every sport activity, what have you visualization is a big part of that, right? Where you, yeah. where you, yeah. where you imagine how things are going to go. You imagine your performance, you create it in your mind before you perform it. It is for weightlifting, for sports, for presentations, for acting, for all of it. It's, it's a part of, uh, of the best way to do it, of the best way to do things. Every high performer I've ever heard talks about that. So I love that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a paper anchor, something that we physically use to write down our, our tasks for the day, something that is, that is again, like you said, physical. And we talked about some, some great options for that, but then also, um, uh, having that, that space around your desk that is always uniform. Um, and then, and now we're talking about this idea of having some downtime built into your day and, and purposeful downtime. I want to talk a little bit though, about what are some good practices for people that don't know how to turn their brain off? Like, are you advocating meditation? Should we, should it be taking a walk? Like what are, what, what are ways to get started in giving ourselves that, uh, even if it's not the Pomodoro thing where it's, where it's five minutes or 21 on, uh, and then five minutes off. Yeah. So I think where people fall that, and I'm very, very type A, I would never be the white space lady unless I was spending my entire career solving my own problem. So <laughs> I am as, I am as on as you could Manhattan go, go business owner kind of gal. But the, reason people don't take breaks is they try to take really long ones. So I, I would love, yeah, 10 minute break would be really great, but start with a 30 second break, mm-hmm. start with taking a timer and you don't have to do anything or have a technique. <clears throat> you just push back and turn your face away from wherever the technology is and the work stuff is and just stare at a wall for 30 seconds <laughs> or look out a window for 30 seconds or just allow when the kid comes in to bug you in the middle of something, just use them as the catalyst for the wedge and just put your put their little soft cheek next to you and just let them stay there for 30 more seconds than you originally would have if they were quote unquote interrupting what was important in your day. And these micro breaks are really manageable for people and I think it, it helps them. Because if I say go schedule a 30 minute walk, 
what is going to happen is you will schedule it and then you'll go, oh my God, I can't take this right now. I have so right. much on my to-do list. I've only done one out of five things on my paper anchor. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. Let's give a pass on the walk. But if I, if I really say 30 seconds, maybe you'll try it. And so I think that the triaging of using white space is get them to sip some of it and then moving up to better techniques. So meditation and mindfulness are both wonderful and they align beautifully with white space, but they're different. Meditation and mindfulness have instruction, which means your mind wanders, you come back to mantra, candle, breath, whatever you're meditating with. It has an instruction that you're supposed to keep coming back and coming back and coming back. White space is like taking a dog for a walk in the park and taking the leash off and hitting it on the butt and letting the dog run. It is a freedom experience that in the time when you take a little white space, there is no instruction. There is no request to come back or quiet the mind or not follow thought. It's just allowing your mind to think about anything mm -hmm. that it wants, anything that it wants. And it leads to these exciting little turns and corners where you never would have gone if you were purposefully thinking through a creative project or trying to meditate where you're not allowed in the exciting corridor of those thoughts. So you, we need an application of our brains where it's just freedom. And that's, that's how we describe white space. You know, I, I, I feel like we are really, as a society nowadays, we are really missing boredom. Mm. Um, because nobody is ever bored again. If I'm waiting in line, yeah. first of all, if I have to go to the bank, it's like once every three months now because everything I can do from my phone anyway... But if right. I'm waiting in line at the bank, uh, if I have a book on my Kindle, I can open my Kindle app. If I want to just check in with friends, I can open social media. I feel like I never just get to sit there and let my mind wander. And a lot of creativity experts have said that that having that little white space is actually important. Like even, and, and you're saying to schedule it in now. But what I'm hearing is staring at the wall watching paint dry is uh, is boredom. And just giving ourselves permission to not have to be going or not be re-stimulating ourselves I think is, is something that we are missing as a society that I think now that people are starting to uh, really be masters of their own work, they are starting to discover how much they kind of miss being bored. Yeah. And there's so many different pieces of it. There's the, there's the piece of being able to feel your own emotions. There's the, I had a, I had a woman who was in a coaching group and her husband passed away and she said that for three years, she took her shower really, really fast because she knew that if she hung out in a shower where there was all that steam and heat and privacy and she let herself have an open moment that the grief would overwhelm her. Mm. And so she just kept moving, just kept moving, just kept moving. And, what, and we're not all running from grief, but we might be running from fear or ambiguity. And then unfortunately, all those great creative breakthroughs that we'd love to have for our families or our businesses, they're running, running, running behind us and there's no way for them to catch up with us. Yeah. And so that that openness is, is what we are talking about. In fact, we describe what you talked about as a missing element, as if the periodic table had dropped a tile and there was no salt or there was no nitrogen, that lack of white space, that open time has been removed from us. And it's really necessary. It's pretty much my life's purpose to try to reinsert it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm in on, on everything so far. So we have our we have some basic notions of our. Is there more you want to say about setup before we move? Before we get back into no, rhythm a little bit. No, I think we're good, and we're already on rhythm, and we've got these breaks, and we've taken a little bit. Remember, you're talking about scheduling a lot. I can I can see that that might be a tendency, maybe for you. Mm -hmm. But remember that improvisational is the most 
important. It's just where you feel that little feeling of flagging that you don't use the cappuccino to fix it, that you use a break to fix it first. And you could still have the cappuccino, but just not compensatory um, pushing down of that need for rest. Now, that, though, will all fall apart if you don't maintain an email checking schedule. Mm, yeah, okay. Okay. How do you do that? How do you do that? Right? Yeah. If you're sipping from email all day long, you have a constant stream of dopamine entering your bloodstream. And then that dopamine is stimulating you and picking you up and waking you up all the time. So you will never, ever hear an internal cue that you need rest. Mm-hmm. So we believe in a lot of different email. You could do, there's all sorts of different things you can do. You can check email at the top of every hour. Uh, you can do it three times a day, five times a day. You can keep your morning's email free. You can try to just uh, refrain from email until coffee. And there's so many different things that you can do that can create something that's customized. But you're looking for the vacuums that occur in between the touches. That's where rich work happens where paper anchor tasks happen. If you don't have any piece times in between email checks, then you never have those rich vacuums. And it's important that when I say email, I'm also talking about any, we call them KCOMs, keyboard-based communication, Yammer, Slack, IM, chat. I don't care what you're touching. It's that taking a sip of what did I, what did I get? What are my notifications? Mm-hmm. What's new? What's in my inbox? That's where the dopamine comes in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just find so if I don't, <laughs> if I don't respond to an email, then I get a uh, then I get a phone call that says, "Hey, did you get that email?" It's, I, right, I, right. It's conditioning the world that you work in to uh, that you won't be able to that you won't be able to to respond or that you only respond at like one p.m. every day or at the top of every hour. I mean, that's that to me is one of the uh, more difficult parts of this, right? Is 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 training tough. everybody around you. But the, you're, you're not alone in feeling uh, you know, bested by it because that we call it hallucinated urgency is just everywhere where what's the rush about pushing you to answer that one email? So many times that's coming from a tactical, uh, an emotional need, not a tactical need. Right, right. So d- d- is it really true that the guy who's calling you to confirm that you got an email has a urgent tactical need for your response? Likely not. They're just in that caffeinated, jumpy cadence and then you've broken their cadence and they're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't have anything to do with getting work done. Right. 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 And, and, but I just, it just becomes a question of training those people that, that that's the, that that's what, that you, that you need that time that you're going to be, that there, that there is, theirs is not a tactical need. Theirs is an emotional need as well. And, and we haven't talked about this at all the whole time, but that's why a majority of our work is teaching teams. Because when you do have a team and you right. can say, hey, everybody, what's a sane response time protocol? 24 hours, 12 hours, six hours. Let's dialogue about this out loud and create a protocol. Now you're not guessing when you're going to get in trouble. You're actually following a guideline. Mm-hmm. And even if you have a tiny business, if there's two of you or three of you, you can say, you know, what is our response time protocol. And you can have a conversation about that to solidify it and normalize it a little bit if you want to take it, if you want to be a little smarter about email. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say we can convince everybody and we, we find a rhythm that works for us and a good app. I happen to like Airmail, but I know a lot of people have like, like Outlook, it's new redesign. Mm-hmm. I've never been fans of that. So there's there's a lot of options there. Um, so we, okay, so we've committed to this notion that we're going to batch our email. We're, we're in rhythm now. Uh, what's next? Next is kids, and that's only COVID-related. So. 
Yeah. What do I do? I have like a pen that I put them in, or you we put yeah. like slop in the corner and just say, "Hey, <laughs> you guys can't escape the pen, or I'll turn you into bacon." Well, we should just make sure that every single listener googles Israeli mom homeschooling rant, <laughs> which we know, which we know is one of our favorites. But there's so let's do older kids first and then younger kids. So my kids are 10, 12, 14. They're older. I can use a tool called a parking lot, which means I can put a whiteboard in between where they are and where I am. And I can say, listen, the better I focus, the sooner I get to be with you tonight. So if you have a need when I'm working, write it on this whiteboard. And every two hours, I will come out and I will check that whiteboard and I will try to address your need rather than being constantly interrupted. Yeah, That only works, obviously, for children who are of an age where right. they can accept it. Right? My three-year-old asks for a snack as soon as we put breakfast away. It's, it's a constant yeah. thing. So a three-year-old is never a person that we're talking about. But if you have older children, the parking lot can be a good idea. I like that. And right. So that's a small one. Now, if you have little kids at home, I'm trying to decide whether I should tell a story that has to do with a diaper. But um, <laughs> there was a woman who, there was a woman who was in a company that we were helping, and she had a baby and a toddler. The toddler was having a gigantic vein-popping meltdown, and the baby pooped and all the way up the back and everywhere. And she's standing there with the baby and the toddler and screaming and the president of the division calls. <laughs> and, I mean, I've, I've been there. And that's the moment that all these parents of younger children are living with that uh, is not getting enough empathy and understanding post COVID that mm -hmm. it is an impossible situation that they are in, especially if they have that boss who goes, well, I don't know what you mean, or what are my expectations? You sit down at nine and you get up at five and you and the baby both get a one hour lunch break. And what do you, <laughs> if you have that checked out person who either doesn't have children or has forgotten or had a nanny and doesn't get it, I, the, the most important thing I want to say first to the parents of the younger kids is just just wrap your own arms around yourself and just say, this is the so hard, just impossibly crazy making hard. And so all the times that you've snapped or that wine o'clock has moved up two or three hours or yeah, whatever, two or three you know, whatever hours, that's you, it. Yeah, whatever you've needed to do that just blanket permission and, and self-love I think is, is really, really, really super critical. Um, and then, and then I do think that there is a conversation that can be had uh, with if you do work in a team or for a company to go to the boss and say, you know, we've been at this a while. I have really little kids at home. And one of the things I've never really asked you is about your expectations. Are there certain office hours that you need me to be sitting at a certain place? Or are you assuming that I'm working evenings and other times to catch up? Sometimes you usually you have a really loving, surprisingly great conversation. And every once in a while you get that checked out dude that I just oh, it's actually not always a dude, but it's yeah. very often very often a dude who then at least you know where you stand. So either you have a wonderful conversation that clarifies expectations, or you go, Oh wow, you are a thousand percent checked out. And now that has been confirmed. And now I can go to friends who have young children and other people who work at this company and talk about what should we do about this. But it's the guessing that adds even mm. more stress because um, you haven't asked. That's you such, just, a, just, that's such a mature and responsible way of handling things. I prefer, you know, to just sort of bristle in the background and then build up <laughs> lifelong resentment for people. That's that's the healthy way to process yes. emotions, right? Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, I think you know my family, perhaps. <laughs> but 
Yeah. yeah. So rhythm, so rhythm has to include the children. And listen, if there was a magical tool, I had three children. I actually, I've never said this on a podcast, but when my kids were born, I brought whoever was the youngest to every uh, speech and engagement with me for two years. So I traveled with a baby for the first two years of everybody's life. And that then they started staying home. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. And I have been in many, many, many places trying to do work, trying to work on a speech, trying to prep for a client, trying to write a proposal with a baby on my lap. And it is not possible. So if there was some magic tip that involved, uh, you know, duct tape and cough syrup that was legal that I could teach you right now to be able to cryo freeze a baby while you get work done. I would teach it to you, but there is, there's nothing. Please don't ever say duct tape and cough syrup again because the visual (laughs) is far too tempting. There's not a way to, to, there's no four-year-old in the history of time that's ever peeked in a room and gone, oh, you're on a call. I'm so sorry. I'll I'll back out now. (laughs) Yeah, My needs are not that important. So you have to work around what's realistic and the child leads that to some degree. So you try to trade out and you get creative with uh, appropriate educational media and you give yourself breaks and then you get as much work done as you can. And then that is enough, Mm -hmm. period, Mm -hmm. period. Um, And so that's a big part of our rhythm. Then we already talked about enclosure. You put stuff away, but here's the last little piece of our whole beautiful framework here is when it's time to stop working and we know it's time to stop working, it's really, really still hard to stop working. Yeah. So the best, the best way to do it is to get your family in a place where you are. If you will first do the version where you have people at home. And what you do is you say out loud, I'm done for the day. And all you have to do is trap yourself in that promise in front of people that you care mm. about and you're done. You are done. You said you're done in front of everybody. Yeah. Or you can say, I'm done for two hours or I'm done till after dinner. Or you can say, you could use trapping yourself in a promise for other things. I'm going out for a run now. Here I go out for my run. And once you've said it out loud, it's really powerful. If you live alone, that you can use a, up. Yeah. Yeah, you can use a boundary buddy and you can just text each other. Work is over. Mm. can be really, really appropriate. Or you could say it out loud for your own ears. Yeah. Because when screaming you into the void is over, really, yeah, screaming into the void is really, really uh, helpful for me emotionally. I scream into the void all the time. I actually haven't thought about screaming it. I love the idea of <laughs> work is over is well, a whole different, is a whole different visual that you could do for yourself. But I, it's harder to, it's I harder to go right back. Definitely come home and done the, uh, and done the, the Desi Arnaz when I walked through the door with nobody yeah. there before. Just, yeah. Lucy, yeah. I'm home. And then, and that just, but it just, there's a, it's a, it creates a mental boundary in my mind. Yes. And that mental boundary is something that we'll all be working on together as we go forward with this. If people are really going to be now, working from home this long, I think, you know, whether it's pack up your stuff and take one walk around the house or one walk around the block or make yourself have a pedestrian commute and walk back and forth through a hallway or just have some symbolic mm-hmm. end of the day. But that technique, trapping yourself in a promise is the best one um, because you, you, you won't you won't reverse it once you've right. said it in front of them. Right, 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 right. Okay, so we've created that boundary, and now our life is perfect and perfectly organized, and we're all ready to uh, continue to sur- to thrive at home. Yeah, and then we also we also have to accept all the really sucky parts because yeah. if we're pretending, you know, all the people saying I'm going to learn a new language and I'm going to get gardening and I'm going to uh, with with what energy are you? Aren't you just fried just trying to be alive and have children and work and 
So this pressure of let's make quarantine the new personal development mm -hmm, mm -hmm. greenhouse, I think is something that also uh, I would like to lightly push at also because there's just not enough recovery time. Yeah. And if, if you get a break and the first thing you think of is I should take a painting class online, then you're not giving yourself enough recovery right. time. Right. I mean, and look, I, I think that in particular for those of us, you know, for, for many people right now, you have maybe you don't have a family and you're uh, you're not working from home and you are struggling to be productive with this time. I think like th these tools can be used in a job hunt. These tools can be used in a creative personal project that you're trying to get going. These tools can be used in order to do the kind of skill expansion that we just talked about of learning a language, learning, a, learning how to cook, whatever, whatever it might be. You can treat the you can treat those things however you want to treat them. But for people that are still working, trying to work from home, uh, who have kids that are that are now schooling from home, uh, which you know I, I can speak from experience is um, uh, it is tumultuous to say the least. The, uh. the, the, the that it's okay to give yourself permission that this is not a period. This it could be a period of survival as opposed to just thrival, as opposed to just thriving in these in, and learning new skills all the time. Yes, and the only place that I might take exception is in the corporate world where we spend a lot of our time. Let's say you're in a company of any, you know, 50 and up. In your work hours, I do think that now is a very important time for development, which mm -hmm. is different than I'm at home and I'm taking a painting class in the only half hour break that I have all day long. But within corporate teams, when they're deciding how to spend their time, they can't forget about the importance of the skill building that we're talking about of how we're going to get through the next period efficiently, what it's going to look like, what innovation is going to look like, what team cohesiveness and team communication is going to look like. If there are people out there that are deciding whether or not their people in companies should still be learning during mm -hmm. this period, that is a completely different answer on my part. Because I think if development is not going on in parallel to these challenges, people are going to get even more burnt out. Sure. For sure. Yeah, you have to feel like you're moving towards something, not just treading water right now. Otherwise, you will go crazy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, you've given us a lot to chew on. Juliet Font, uh, White Space at Work. We'll put a link to where to follow up with uh, your consulting uh, that you guys that you guys do in the in the show notes. If you guys run a company and you are looking to do to to be more efficient in this time or any time, that is a great place to start. Some of these tools that we just gave you today can be codified and made to work for teams. But then also, uh, you have some stuff for, for individuals as well, correct, Juliet? Yes, we absolutely do. So find us at whitespaceatwork.com, uh, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, which is where I primarily hang out. Linked, linked, link to, easy for me to say, right? Link to Juliet's <laughs> LinkedIn in the yeah. show notes as yeah. well. One last thing, and I ask it to everybody, uh, what is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? I think that if you have any access to nature during your shelter in place, whether it be a house plant, a view, or fresh air, that you never go a day without touching it. And I think that that is going to be a, a, a salvation for us to force contact with nature um, anywhere you possibly can. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I love it. Thank you so much, Juliet. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks so much. Great to talk to you. 
That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to click all of the links that I put in the show notes uh, when it comes to following up with Juliet, or if you want to check out the store, it's all there. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you're listening right now, rate, comment, and subscribe. Makes a huge difference for us and the, and the ability for other people to find it. Also, if you like this episode and you know somebody that needs to hear it, please share it with them. All of that really helps us continue to bring you the kind of interviews that I know that you've come to love, that I love to do. Uh, if you want to follow up with us, facebook.com slash John Tesh is where we spend most of our time. John is also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL and at John Tesh on Twitter. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every message, every mention, uh, every DM about the show uh, and you guys want to hear because I, I do this show for you guys. So I want it to be the show that you want to listen to. So if you have any suggestions for guests or topics that you want us to cover, please let me know. I am always happy to try to, to work that in. Uh, in fact, a few of the guests we've had have been recommendations from listeners. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not unheard of. Uh, and in any case, I do this show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.